Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. Well, welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am here today with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Edie Melson, who is the author of the Soul Care series. And during the second half of the program, we're going to feature Redemption Press author Jane Martin Patton, another one of my favorite people. So first, before I give a proper introduction, Edie, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yes. Well, it is a long time coming to have you on. So I'm glad we got to work it out and make the time. You're a busy, busy woman. So I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Okay. I am really excited to be here. Yeah. So let me give a proper introduction for those listening who don't know you. Uh, Edie is a woman of faith with ink stained fingers, experiencing life through the lens of her camera. No matter whether she's talking to readers, fellow creatives, or writers, her first advice is always find your voice, live your story. As an author, blogger, and speaker, she's encouraged and challenged audiences across the country and around the world. Her numerous books reflect her passion to help others develop the strength of their God-given gifts and apply them to their lives. Now I'm going to share one little known fact about her that is very cool. She holds the certification as a master lace maker in shuttle tatting. Okay, now I'm just saying I read that and thought, wait a minute. How do you have a tattoo on a shuttle? (laughs) Not exactly what she means. So uh, she's going to tell us about that in a minute. She taught herself and has been teaching others this nearly lost craft for almost 30 years. That is just so cool. I love it. So Edie, before we start jumping into your soul care series, I would love to have our listeners hear your Romans 828 story. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you have a bunch of them, but let's just hear one that you feel would be an encouragement to our listeners today. Well, I think one of the things is that um, I really struggled with um, creativity 
as I was growing up because I come from a creative family. Uh, my mother is an internationally known uh, watercolor artist and my dad is a musician whose uh, second career was as a landscape photographer who was in galleries all over the country. Wow. And I always, I always battled the idea as to whether or not I was really an honest to goodness author or, or artist or creative because all I did was play with words. And so I really kind of shunted that creativity side of my uh, upbringing off to one side. And I tried to focus in on the words and being a writer and being an author. And yet with this latest series, it's kind of like God has taken this mishmash of growing up in this hyper-creative family and really brought me full circle into how he uses creativity because he is the ultimate creative um, and really used it to launch this new part of my career as writing for, um, for people to get closer to God through creativity. And I'm just, I'm blown away with that because I really thought that that I had nothing to do with that part of who I was. And yet God has used that to really bring out a, a deeper relationship with him and to teach others how to have that as well. Mm. I love that how you grew up in the shadow of your parents feeling anything but creative. And then God used that in your life to turn around and launch a ministry. I mean, the Soul Care series is a ministry. I mean, it it just, I know when we went through the book and um, the first one, mm -hmm. that just was so incredible how it just goes, the depth of it and how God used that. I mean, because I went in it was with Cynthia and Andy and their group, and they went through the teaching. And I just, you know, I don't consider myself a creative. So it was a real eye-opener for me to just see how much that creative process can connect us more deeply to God. And you Absolutely. And, you know, he's, he's started, um, we have a conference, a retreat in regard to this. I have a, a, a big Facebook group where people do creativity and it's just, it's sort of kind of caught on into this big thing. And it is nothing like what I thought God would be doing at this point in my writing life. Mm. And it, and it was organic too. I love that it just, God just did that. It's not <laughs> like you had this strategy. Okay, we're going to figure this thing out and we're going to do it. It was God doing his Romans 828 thing in full color. And I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So how have you used creativity to forge a connection with God during difficult times, which is a great question considering we're in the middle of not only the COVID, but also all of the rioting and looting and, you know, all the unrest in our country. This is a great question. Absolutely. And the thing of it is, is God used that. He met me at a point of very 
uh, deep despair. I was in the middle of, of uh, hospice care for my dad. He was at the end of life with uh, Alzheimer's. My mother was his primary caregiver, but my sister and I live right here in town and we were also augmenting her caregiving and it had been a years long journey and we were all exhausted. We were just done. And I remember sitting in the car one afternoon, just basically crying out to God, feeling like a failure on so many ways. I had a book due and, and I knew I needed more of God to get through what was coming these last mm. few months that I knew was ahead. Um, but I was done. I mean, I was dry as a bone inside and out spiritually and every other way. I didn't, I didn't have time for a Bible study. I could barely read a, a verse, much less uh, do a Bible study. My prayer time at night was more uh, me falling asleep in the middle than even having a chance to say amen. But I knew that I needed God's strength and I didn't have any time. I mean, every ounce of time was, was, was spoken for. Mm. So I just cried out and I said, okay, God, this one's on you. You're going to have to figure out how to do this. And he basically whispered into my soul creativity. And I just, I remember mentally rolling my eyes going, yeah, like I have time to paint, <laughs> you know, or even the inclination. I can barely draw a stick figure. And he basically said, get up. I, I had an old sketchbook that was about uh, two inches tall and about four inches wide. And he said, stick that in your purse. And so I did, and at odd times, I would pull out this scary book of blank white pages, not even any lines on them, and he would whisper a, a word like faith or fear or rest or something. And I had this little package uh, that I'd picked up somewhere of four colored pencils that had been stuck in the bottom of my purse also. And I would just doodle. I would draw around it and color in the lines and stuff like that. And I found that as I did that, I would be meditating on that one word and it would bring up uh, it would like, I remember, uh, I Google or I doodled the word tired and mm. I remember God bringing up, uh, uh, Philippians 4, 13, I can do thing, all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I just jotted that down below the word, word tired. And I started thinking about how could God really renew my soul? And, and through this process of these little bitty, almost stolen moments while mm. daddy was sleeping or we were waiting on a doctor's appointment or I was sitting in line at the fast food restaurant waiting to get my order, these, these little moments of, of God just began to refresh my soul. And I realized that he was doing exactly what I wanted him to do, what I had begged for him to do. And he was doing it basically through playtime with him. Mm. Mm. What I love about that is that you, you wrote the, you know, the feeling 
tired, you know, whatever <laughs> the, the struggle was. And then the truth of scripture below it and you made it pretty and you, you know, I mean, so you added that playful creativity piece to the truth of his word that replaces and then rejuvenates that struggle. Wow. It, it was really amazing. And when I came out the other side of it, I actually had people ask me, you know, what happened in the middle of this? How did you suddenly turn this around and, and were able to do this? And I, I was kind of hesitant at first to talk about it because really uh, playtime with God doesn't sound all that spiritual. <laughs> and so uh, I went back to the Bible and I started digging into what had really happened. And I, I realized that God had, had basically walked me through what Sabbath rest will do for your soul. Uh, because we are, we are people that God created for a certain rhythm, a rhythm of work and rest and, and uh, rejuvenation and renewal and, and all of that. And I had the idea that the Sabbath looked very different than what Sabbath rest actually looks like. Wow. Yeah. And I know most of us think, well, my Sabbath rest is I just get a good eight hours of sleep and that's my rest. <laughs> no. Wow. So I, I mean, I think you've kind of illustrated it already, but I would love to hear how, you know, how God spoke to you and how you were prompted to actually write the first book in the series and then begin that series on weariness. Well, he, he, but like I said, it was with people asking me this, I thought, okay, I better go back and figure out what happened. And when I did, I realized that, that there is a huge need in our culture today for play and rest. Mm. And we look at creativity or playtime as something bad. Uh, we look at it as frivolous mm. and we see people yearning for that prayer to play time. I mean, look at how coloring book market has exploded and right. Bible journaling and all of these things. Sensory involvement can really deepen our relationship with our father. And I think it's, it's important to reconnect with that part of who we were created to be as life gets gets crazier and busier and just weirder <laughs> the more we go yeah well it's funny because you say that and i think of well when we were kids i think probably most of us our favorite part of the day was going out for recess yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And in these books, um, particularly the, the soul care when you're weary, that's one of the things that I encourage people to do. One of the things that I would do at the hospital was because daddy was uh, or at his assisted living is, is I would walk outside into the courtyard. Now, it's not like there was beautiful scenery or a swing set, but, you know, I could look up. And if you've ever looked up into the sky and seen the gorgeousness of clouds mm. or stars or just birds, 
you know, God's, God's creativity is all around us and it is very, very healing. Mm, I love that. So, um, tell me, I, I want to just ask right here, tell me the, the actual, um, titles that are already now in print in this series you started with the book on weariness so yeah give me there the are whole... two of them soul okay. care when you're weary and soul care for writers and then this fall will be soul care when you're grieving and yeah you told me about that and I, what a perfect for this time in our lives it's you know grieving there's a lot of grieving going on in the midst of COVID and everything else that we don't really realize that's what it is. Absolutely. We're grieving, we're grieving a loss of life as we know it. Um, it, because even though we're going to come out the other side and life is going to go on and it's going to have joy and beauty, it is not going to look like it, what it used to. And so there's some grief involved in that. There's also the grieving of the fact that um, maybe we're separated from loved ones. I have, I'm at an age right now where I have a lot of friends who have uh, families in assisted living or are hospitalized and they cannot be with them. And there's a lot of grief involved in that. I have friends and, and people in church and relatives who have lost jobs and some of those jobs won't be coming back. And right. so there's a lot more than just grieving. And I say just meaning not limited to the intense grief that comes with losing someone we love. Mm. And that is going to be powerful. I'm excited for that to come out because, you know, most of us kind of pigeonhole grieving and grief for the loss of a loved one when there's so many other things that can happen in our lives that we need to learn to grieve in a healthy way. And, it, mm -hmm. and Christians usually aren't really very good at that. So yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what is your favorite creative pursuit? Um, well, of course, writing is number one, but very close to that is photography. I love to get out and take pictures and it's something that um, that I didn't take advantage of the fact that my dad was a professional photographer. When I was little, I would go with him when he was taking pictures. But as I got older and was raising kids, I really did not make that strong adult connection with him. And I, I regret that greatly. But I have been able to reconnect with him as I have explored my own journey into photography. And that's been amazing. Mm. I've seen some of your photographs and they're beautiful. <laughs> so I love that. So you. now you share a lot about journaling in the, the first book that we're talking about, Soul Care for the Weary. How has journaling impacted your life personally? Well, it has been amazing because I started, I started prayer journaling when my oldest son was in the military, particularly when he was on deployment in the Middle East. Um, I had, I dealt with, with a real problem with fear. 
um, fear for him. I was very proud of him. And my husband and I supported him and thought what he did by entering the military was amazing. But he was also a very young man. He was 18. And um, as, as his parents, we knew what that decision might ask of him. And that terrified me as a mom. And so I had a lot of trouble with, with my prayers and feeling like they were powerful enough and, and or feeling like they were reaching anything or doing any good. And so I began just journaling those prayers and I was able to go back and uh, see how God was answering them. And that was, that was really amazing. And actually that deployment journal turned into two separate books. It turned into my very first book, which is now out of print. It's called Fighting Fear, Winning the War at Home When Your Soldier Leaves for Battle. And then my second uh, prayer book for military families, which was While My Soldier Served. Both of those have prayers that were taken directly from that journal. Mm. And journaling, I don't know, there's something about writing a prayer in a journal that, I don't know, for me, it keeps my mind focused. I can't, my mind doesn't go other places like it could <laughs> if I was just saying it in my head, but to write it and to, I don't know, there's something about the engagement of the actual writing, handwriting process in a journal that I don't know how to explain it, but it just is more impactful and I love that it create it's something you can go back to and utilize in books in the future. I know I've done the same thing where I've been able to look at those journal entries and go, "Whoa, I forgot that God did that." You know, and it encourages us. It really does. It 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 because I am I'm way more well now I'm not more forgetful than I realize. Now I realize how forgetful I am. But particularly in my 30s and 40s, I thought I was remembering everything. But when I would go back through those journals and see how God had worked, it it just it deepened my relationship with him and it it strengthened my trust and my faith as well. Mm -hmm. And when you go back and look at those, that talk about seeing Romans 8, 28 <laughs> everywhere because you're going, whoa, you look back and you see how we really did work all things together for good, even when you didn't see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And in ways that were exceeding abundance in yeah. our lives. Yeah. Okay. So I know you're a woman of prayer. How does prayer feed into this creative connection with God? Well, for me, my life has evolved into kind of um, an ongoing conversation with God. Mm -hmm. And so this creative journaling, this, this creativity um, and prayer just seems to sort of marry together in my life. It's just an, the creativity is an extension of this ongoing conversation with God. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you now have a women's conference called Soul Care. And how is it the same or different from your books? Uh, it's actually an extension of the books. It's an in-person uh, way of, of 
being creative with God. It's almost like a weekend away to play and reconnect with our creative father. So what we do is we have different projects that people guided exercises that people work on while they're there. And then there's also a time where I take them out and we do photography. Uh, whether it's a cell phone or a point and shoot or a full on DSLR. Um, but we just go through what it's like to narrow our focus onto God's creation through the lens of a camera. And that can be a very powerful exercise. And um, then we also have some free time where people can take some, some creativity and, and see what God is doing in their own lives through their own creativity. So it's kind of a safe way uh, to explore creativity. So do you have a couple of dates where you actually have plans and openings for that? Well, our date was in July of this <laughs> summer. <laughs> yes. So well, you'll notice not. that that has been canceled. But I also have a Facebook group called Soulful Inc. That's kind of an ongoing extension of this. So we're going to be doing some more guided creativity in that group since we can't come together for this weekend to play. Got it. Oh, well, yep. You got to just kind of pivot and work with what you got <laughs> and, and you're good at that. Okay. So in closing, I would love for you to just share a couple tips or tools that would really help our listeners zero in on how God really is working all things for good. Well, I think the first thing is to write it down. And it doesn't have to be when I first, uh, you know, I was like every other little teenage preteen girl, I had a diary and that diary, I had a new one every year and it was a good year if I got a week in it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I, and I think that a lot of times we're intimidated by the blank page. And one of the best ways to do that is to draw something big on that page. So I recommend that if you're afraid of the blank page, that you go to a blank page in your journal and you scribble a really messy circle in it. And then you write either a word or a Bible verse and then color inside that circle and then draw a scallop or uh, draw triangles outside the circle. And inside those scallops and triangles, try to write a single word that has to do with that original word or that original verse. And all the time, ask God to guide you into what he has to say to you. And I guarantee you, you will be blown away by how God can show you through creativity what is going on in your life. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I am going to do that. I love it. Okay. So if we have people listening today that would love to maybe join that online Facebook group or just connect with you on social media Where's the or on the internet, where's the best place for them to do that? I think the best place to do that is to go to my website, edmelson.com. I actually have a 
free gift, a download for you that is a uh, that is a first aid kit for weary creatives. It's on the front page of my website and you can download that. You can also join the Facebook group called Soulful Inc. S-O-U-L-F-U-L Inc. I-N-K. Uh, Soulful Inc. And so that's another way. And then, of course, all my social media is Edie Melson. Perfect. Well, it has been an absolute delight to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule before you head out of town with hubby and uh yes just bless the rest of your weekend and thank you so much edie thank you for having me in may god gave me a vision of a movement he gave me the name she writes for him and i knew it would start as a book compilation then a podcast and finally a conference. Well, here we are a year later, and She Writes for Him, Stories of Resilient Faith, launched on May 12th, featuring Carol Kent, Tammy Trent, and Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, along with 27 brave women who shared their hard stories of abortion, depression, betrayal, loss, and shame, and declared how God worked redemption in their lives. The second edition is finalizing submissions, and best-selling author Liz Curtis Higgs leads the lineup of contributors sharing on suffering, cancer, mental health, addictions, and spiritual abuse for She Writes for Him, Stories of Living Hope. This very podcast launched in February of this year, declaring the faithfulness of God in working all things together for good. And when we had to cancel our in-person She Writes for Him writing retreat in April, we hosted the first 21-day She Writes for Him boot camp online and helped take 40-plus women from concept to manuscript blueprint through 90-minute interactive virtual workshops, daily writing tips, and multiple coaching sessions. As the pandemic continued to interrupt our spring and summer conference plans, God birthed the conference I knew would be, but had no idea it would look like this. A virtual conference with three full days and 33 plus publishing professionals found 400 hungry attendees waiting and ravishing in the wisdom and the love that was poured out through the presenters. We've rescheduled the retreat for this September and still have a few slots open, and another boot camp is scheduled for October. And we've initiated the She Writes for Him Tribe, a monthly membership online where you can learn your writing craft, network, grow, and have a safe place to develop your voice with other sisters who love the Lord. Join the many women finding their writing identity through the She Writes For Him movement at SheWritesForHim.com. Well, welcome to the second half of today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I want to introduce you to one of our newer Redemption Press authors, 
and a woman who has absolutely captured my heart. She's just one of my favorite people, especially on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. Jane Martin Patton is just amazing. You are going to love her. So first, before I give a proper introduction, let me just say, Jane, welcome to the All Things Podcast. First of all, thank you so much. I am incredibly honored to be with you. Um, I, I remember going back to our very first conversation and me just being terrified of, of, of not uh, saying the right things or, or messing conversations up. And you have always been so incredibly gracious, uh, not just to me, but to my friends, people that have met you after I've met you. And it's just, it's just an honor to be able to spend some time with you today. So thank you for that. Oh, you bet. Well, it, uh, the feeling is mutual, my friend. Okay. So here's the proper introduction for those of you who are not familiar with Jane. She holds a deep love for the global and diverse body of Christ followers, believes in crossing over denominational lines to bring the gospel in a way that is powerful and relevant. Her prayer is that God uses her personal presentation style to bring others to a deeper level of understanding of the scriptures. She is a fierce believer that the Holy Spirit still brings the conviction that leads to salvation, and she is just cheering him on. Mm -hmm. She married her husband, Mike, in 1999. Together, they have three children. In 1996, Jane graduated from the Missouri Baptist University with a B.A. in business administration with a minor in management. Mm -hmm. She left a lucrative sales career soon after the birth of her first child and entered into the world of women's ministry via the local church through facilitating Bible studies, hosting events, speaking locally, and more. Before launching Altered Ministries, she previously held the position of women's ministry director for her local church and has worked with government officials regarding the plight of persecuted Christians worldwide. She currently ministers weekly at the Women's Maximum Security Prison in Vandalia, Missouri, through the Beauty for Ashes program, believing God can change anyone's life when they surrender to him. Jane is a popular speaker at events, conferences, banquets, and churches through her inspirational and motivational speaking. Jane loves to read in her spare time, can always be bribed with Mexican food, and never, <laughs> ever turns down a double stuffed Oreo ever, ever. And <laughs> she just released her very first book with Redemption Press. So I am absolutely thrilled, Jane, to have you on the show. And before we jump, because I want to introduce your first book yes. to our listening audience, Truly Known. But before we do that, I would love for our listeners to just, I mean, we all have lots of different Romans 8.28 stories, but mm -hmm. I would love for them to hear the Romans 8.28 story of God working all things together for good. I just want you to share your favorite one with us. Okay. I, I love that. I'm, I'm so grateful that you give us the opportunity to do that. I was listening actually to, to you read my bio and I thought, my goodness, if that just sounds like that sounds that sounds pretty impressive. I, I think I'd want to meet that person, you know, whoever, uh, yeah. wrote that, whoever wrote that for her, they did a good job. Um, but I was laughing because I thought um, it, it has not always been that way. When mm. I was 21 years old, um, I had gotten married at 19. And at 21 years of age, my husband had left me for another woman. 
And I, I can't tell you the level of rejection that, that just, it broke my heart and it broke my life really. And it, it broke um, what really needed to believe uh, a faulty belief system, even about God. Uh, but it just had shattered me. And so at that time I was 21 years old and on my own. And, and it's, it's a hard, it's hard being 21 having married and divorced when all your friends are just graduating college and they're just starting their lives and you don't really fit in anywhere. And I remember thinking, well, I, I'm going to have to get a job. And I just opened up the, uh, the want ads at that time. It was in papers, right? I mean, everybody had papers and you're reading the ads and the help wanted. And there was a, a, a staffing agency that, that would put people into positions. And so I went and I had interviewed and didn't have two cents to rub together. And they gave me a receptionist job. I got a receptionist job for a company called Dale Carnegie Training. And I didn't know anything about it, but I went and I was a receptionist. And because I was a receptionist there, I got to take all the classes, like how to, you know, win friends and influence people and, you know, and how to do public speaking. And, and while I was so wounded and so bruised, the Lord was working into my life, mm. something that and within 20 years, 20 years later, I would use on a daily basis to proclaim the word of God and to proclaim the goodness of God. And to say that even though no matter what happens in your life, when you think you can't see him, he's at work in your life. God is working in your life and you may not see it when you're in the shattered places and the broken places, but you give something enough time and you trust mm. the Lord with everything you have. And you will mm. see that he was good all the time. It's an amazing thing. I'm grateful to the Lord every day for it. I'm just grateful that he saved me, you know, and he rescued me and that he gave me a life. Amen. And when he takes something that is that devastating, that deep, the wounding is that so deep. Mm -hmm. And to put you then in a place where he could train you and get you ready because mm -hmm. he knew, he knew what he was going to do with you mm -hmm. and that you were going to have that boldness mm -hmm. to share his goodness and you know that he could use that broken place mm -hmm. to and work even that together for good to glorify his name only god can do that only and it's it's so funny athena because i think that anybody if they're willing to trust god there is there's a couple things you ask me like well what would you what would you want to encourage people to do if they were in kind of like a hard place or they they just weren't sure if they could trust god and there was two things one look for his fingerprints and listen to his voice listen for his voice because you know the scripture says that my sheep know my voice you know and that he is the good shepherd and those are things that we learn along the way you know that but but sometimes we just need to see him at work see his fingerprints and sometimes i just ask the lord god if i could just see a peek into what you're doing in this situation it would just really encourage my heart you know and mm -hmm. sometimes he does that and other times he doesn't but he is so trustworthy and so faithful and and that that was just a that was just the beginning of it and I didn't have a college education and I thought well I'm gonna have to go back to school and I ended up getting a job at a university Missouri Baptist University and they gave me a free free college education because I worked wow. so I'd work for them during the day and and go to school at night and God gave me an education and and I wasn't even living for him at the time, but he just took care of me. He was putting into me, into mm -hmm. my life, what mm -hmm. I would use eventually to point to him. And that's, I, I think that many of us can look back in our lives and see him do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. So in your new book, Truly Known, mm -hmm. you share about the importance of recognizing God's grace at work within our lives, which mm -hmm. you just shared a great example of that. So 
but what really captured my attention is that the revelation came to you while ministering to people at a maximum security prison. So what did you learn working with these incredibly broken and wounded women? Right. So stepping back just a little bit, when I, there is, I've been doing women's ministry for a long time. And and when I say like women's ministry, I mean like traditional women's ministry inside the church, teaching Bible studies, you know, just the typical, your semester on summer off fall semester, just a very cyclical, uh, sterile type of, um, a format. And one night I went to, um, a, to a, a, a local ministry event of a, of a ministry in our community called Misfits for Jesus. And, and they have, they meet on Saturday nights and, and the people that attend, there are people that really feel like they don't fit in, in a traditional type setting there. They mm-hmm. identify as misfits. And I think those are my people, you know, right, how can right. I go and snuggle with them? Because we all are right. We fit in the body of Christ, but sometimes we don't fit in this world. And so anyway, I, I, it's a ministry that I support. And so they were having their 10th anniversary. And I went there on a Saturday night. And as I sat in that service, I saw people worshiping differently than anything that I had ever experienced in a traditional church setting. They had their arms raised, tears pouring down their faces. You know, they they were worshiping God. They were those the, the thankfulness and gratitude that was pouring out of their lives. I kept thinking, what what is it with these people? You know, like. I worship, but what, why did they, and somebody began to share with me that a lot of them had just been released from prison. And a lot of them were, were coming to church from a reentry house, uh, you know, where they're staying as they try to work through their addictions. And when people know what they've been set free from and who set them free, their Mm. way of worship is something that you just can't explain. They're so desperate for God and so thankful for what he's done. And so I'm like, I need to get on the ground floor of this. You know, I want to get into this level of ministry. And, uh, and someone said, well, a lot of them come from different prisons. And so I began to do just an an exploration process. I ended up partnering uh, with a girl named Jessica and we would go to the van. It's a maximum security prison uh, up in Vandalia, Missouri with a program called beauty for ashes. And, and it kind of brings us to the question, the answer to the question that you just asked is kind of the parallels. I, as I was doing women's ministry in a church and doing going and traveling to this prison on Mondays, we would drive like an hour there and, and minister and drive an hour back. And I dropped my kids off for school and we'd drive there and then come back. And uh, but what I began to notice is while I was doing ministry inside the church pews, the women that were sitting in the church pews were in more captivity of spiritual and mental and emotional prisons than the women that I was ministering to in actual bars, because wow. the women's that we were mentioning to in actual bars and they had found Jesus and Jesus set them free. They knew mm. freedom in a way that, that the women inside churches had, had not experienced, you know, cause, and, and I was uh, uh, talking to another gal yesterday and, you know, women are so afraid of being honest. They're so afraid of letting the mask down. And in churches, there's so many, so and I, my heart is for women. So I, and so many women that wear masks and mm-hmm. they don't get the help or the healing or the, the freedom that they need. And so, yeah. but, in, but in prison, everybody's, I mean, you, you know, you can just go in and say, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Right. Nothing to hide here. Like I'm, I'm a convicted nope. sinner, you know, but <laughs> no faking it there. No right? faking it there. And that's why probably I feel comfortable there. I love prison ministry. I love it because everybody's honest. We're all sinners in need of a savior. 
and you walk into a church and sometimes people are just trying to hide their brokenness. And that just, it makes me sad. So we began to take the same messages. That's actually what launched Altered Ministries is we began to take the messages that we were taking into the prison, into uh, women's conferences. We started doing women's conferences and started bringing the same messages that, listen, let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending right here. It's the time you walk in here. We are authentic. We love the Lord. He's here to heal us. He's here to set us free. We're going to be about his business. So it's been exciting. Love that. So, okay. So as an author, I know most books are birthed out of our struggles. Mm -hmm. Have you ever struggled with feeling imprisoned by your own emotions and mental baggage? Without a doubt. I think that not, I, um, not only do we have the enemy that's coming against us, against us, uh, but we have our flesh and our flesh is always riling up against our spirit. And the spirit says, you know, who lives in us, the Holy Spirit says, we are loved. We are accepted in the brethren. We are the children of God. We are seated in the heavenly places. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And yet our flesh is like, I have failed. I have sinned. I'm never going to be as good. You know what? We petition, a spirit of comparison. And so there's, so there's always this war that's going on. But I think true freedom for me True freedom is found in meditating on the word of God, Romans 12, 2, and allowing the word of God to transform our minds so that we can test and know what is God's good and pleasing and perfect will is for our lives. That's where freedom is found, you know? Yeah. And so even when I would write, when I write in this devotional, somebody said, and, and I, I've always, I, I keep telling people it's simple. It's just a simple devotional. And, and I had a girl come up to me and she just recently released a book and she goes, stop saying it's simple, Jane. She goes, it's precise. It's so mm. precise. <laughs> There's not like, I don't give 50 million points. It's a very specific point. And it's, and it's, um, a lot of it was written, you know, from my own experiences, reading the scripture or preparing a message to take into the prison, but it, it's written from the heart. And so it connects with people's hearts. It's not a head book, you know, right? like a right. heady, it's a, it's a heart, it's a heart book. Mm. Simple. I love that. So you challenge those who work through the devotions and truly known to begin asking them what themselves. So now what, right. what now, how, how does right. that question empower transformation? I think that we spend a lot of our time consuming information, right? And we consume knowledge or, you know, you go to church and you listen to a pastor and it's a data download. I mean, it really is. And I know your husband would even agree. He's giving information, right? We're going to give this information and people can walk and they can consume that information and walk away completely unchanged. They're yep. like, oh, that's good. That's, that's great. That's great. That's more head knowledge. Well, knowledge puffs up, but love mm -hmm. builds up. And so what we want to do is say, now that I know this information, now that I've been given this fresh revelation or fresh insight, God, how do you want me to apply this to my life? It's like, it's, you know, my book is not the scriptures, but when you read the scriptures, there's always a now what, you know, he mm -hmm. didn't, Jesus didn't teach us just to make us smart. He right. taught us in order that our lives would be transformed. And so there's a constant dialogue. There should be, I feel like I, somebody said, uh, the other day, I, somebody said, I wish I could give credit and I apologize, but it, they said when they stop reading the Bible, they leave from their daily quiet time, they leave their Bible open on their kitchen counter because they know the conversation with the Lord is not done. There's mm. a constant, you know, as they walk past it, God, what do you want me to do with what I read today? How do you want to use my life today? There's a constant dialogue, but so, you know what I mean? It's not just, we read it, we read our three 
devotionals for the day or three scriptures for the day or posted our Jesus calling devotional or whatever it is and then move on. It's not like that. It's daily. God, how do you want to transform my life today? Use it today. Mm. Well, what's interesting is you coming from a sales background and being, you know, probably were um, involved in writing sales copy. And, you know, when Mm -hmm. you tell people, this is what you're going to get if you get involved in this class or this whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you end with a call to action because mm-hmm. if you see what it's going to do for you and, and just like the scriptures, we see God is saying, if you do this, then I'll do this. Right. Then that's the next step is yes. do something with it. Yes. Always. I think there's always an invitation with the Lord. You know, there's always an invitation, whether it's toward blessing or whether it's toward conviction or whether it's toward restoration or, you know, I mean, there's just, there's always just this open invitation for more. And it's the sweetest thing. I, I, my heart, my greatest desire is that everyone have a deep and authentic and powerful relationship with God. I, that would just, and so, so everything I do is, is connected to that. You know, whether it's writing a book or whether it's speaking or managing a nonprofit or anything, it's how do I, and that's why we have altered ministries because Jesus alters lives, completely transforms who you are to who he wants you to become. And uh, so it's always a now what, you know? It is, it is. Um, So what would you say to a woman who might be listening right now, who feels imprisoned by her situation? What words of encouragement can you offer? First of all, I want her to know she's not alone. Satan is the, is it will isolate you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of it before he'll do anything else. If he can make you feel like you're the only one who's ever felt like this ever in the history of ever, then he's already begun to won the battle for your mind. Right. And that impacts your life. And so we just, at first and foremost, want you to know you're not alone. You're really not alone. But, and the secondly, and and that even hypothetically, even if you were alone, Jesus is with you, no matter what Jesus is with you. But I would say as a practical thing, I would, uh, I would begin to learn what it is to take off your mask with safe people. And Mm. whether if you don't feel like there's anybody safe at your church, I would tell you, maybe there are, but I don't know where your church is or, or who you're around, but finding a Christian counselor, you know, and really talking through the issues or a godly friend, you know, some things can be resolved over a cup of coffee. It really is. Sometimes when we give voice to the things Mm. that we're struggling with, with a trusty, trusted, godly friend, it's like it releases you, you know, from thinking I'm spiraling out of control. I tend to isolate, Athena. This is something that is, is active in me. So I have to, I'm, I'm not giving advice off an empty apple cart. This is something I act, I have to do is to let people know that I'm struggling with something because for whatever reason, our culture wants also makes them think that we should never have a bad day. We should right. never have to need to talk to people. We shouldn't have, if we love Jesus enough, we shouldn't have problems. That's just not true. We live nope. in a sinful, broken world and finding somebody godly to come alongside of you is, is really important. And being authentic. Like this life is hard. Life's hard, but God is good. Absolutely. And there's so much power in, you know, walking in the light with that one safe person. Yes. Because when you come out of your head and you actually say out of your mouth what you've been thinking, which sounded really good in your head. But then once you say it, all of a sudden you're like, 
I can't believe I was thinking that. Yes. You know, and God is able to just pour, cleanse you with your, with his blood and forgive you. And I mean, there's just so much healing when you're able to interact like that with that safe person. Yes. And I I would say this too, because I do women's ministry. There's women who feel like they really don't have a godly friend. And so what I say is, first of all, pray for one. Pray for one because God hears your prayers and God knows your needs and he is not unaware of it. Secondly is work on being one, work Mm. on being one because he who shows himself friendly, right? Attracts friends. And so we work on becoming what we need in in our lives because God may send you to somebody else. And so we just want to do that. And then uh, there's a third thing, pray for one, work on becoming one and develop your friendship with the Holy Spirit. Develop your friendship with him by reading the word and talking to him and learning his voice. And, you know, there's just something so sweet. sweet about mm, it. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to wrap up with this question. Um, since all proceeds from the sale of truly known are being donated to Samuel's house, mm-hmm. I would just love for us to hear a little bit about their work and your involvement with them. Sure. So, um, and I don't know, I, I don't know if everybody who listens to this is independently wealthy or what, but I remember sitting in our church service and they had special guests that came and they were the people who ran the house for Samuel's house in Venezuela. And it's an orphanage where they clothe and educate and feed in the name of Jesus, these orphans that, and Venezuela is one of the most, it's one of the most poverty stricken, um, you know, silencing God's name in every way that they can. It's just a terrible, terrible, harsh way to live. And so anyway, they really feel called to there. And so I was listening to them and, and I, and I remember sitting there thinking that I don't have one cent to donate. I really didn't. I, I didn't. I, I had no money. And I thought and it hurt my heart that I didn't have any money to give them. And so it wasn't about a week later that I had constantly and consistently been putting devotionals up for about two years on my altered uh, Facebook page, altered ministries, Facebook page. And people kept saying, you know, you need to put this into a book. You really need to put it into a book. Jane, this would be, these would be great little devotionals for people to read. And I was like, no, 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 this is, and then I thought, well, maybe. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night. And I remember this because I was in my son's bedroom, who was like eight years old at the time. And he had a nightmare and I was in his room and I woke up and it was as the Lord said to me, I want you to write a book with those devotionals. And I want you to donate a hundred percent to that orphanage. Mm. And I said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. I I'll do it. And so that, but it took me two years uh, to do it about two years about, you know, definitely one and a half. Cause I really struggled with imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? There's just a lot of things. Writing a book is not a, um, it's an honor. This is mm. an honor to do. It's, it's, there's a lot of people who want to do it. And, and we raise the funds. I have another one coming out with you all uh, this fall, this winter, um, an Advent book. And, and it's, but it's an honor to be able to do that. And so I I struggled for a bit feeling like I was not, did I, did I hear wrong? You know, is this really going to make an impact? And, and uh, it it was people like you and, um, and other people that came alongside and said, Jane, you've got this, you've got this, God has given you a message, go ahead and complete it. And so I finished it. I, I actually had to apologize to the, to the house owners, the people who run the, the mission, because I, I just delayed and uh, I feel bad for that, but I'm grateful to be caught up now and uh, uh-huh. excited for, for money to start coming in. We've sold several and 
we're very, very close now to being profitable from our original investment. And so we're excited. We're excited. I think God wow. takes us where we're at. I, I'm not walking under condemnation and I know that, uh, but it, but it was just, I think I'm just being honest, you know, that mm-hmm. there are just some things that you step out in faith on and then the enemy wants to come and steal that dream, you know, but well, don't let them do that. We can't let them do that. There's too many people that will benefit from following the things that God has called us to do. And that's something that he's taught me even through all this book writing process. Well, and you're, you're just a great example of someone who is willing to say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But yeah. I'm willing to obey. Yeah. And look how God has blessed that. He has. And you know what? I mean, and really with like credit to you all and to Redemption Press and all that God has done uh, through your organization and through your heart and lives. But it is if, if there were not people that were smarter than other people to come alongside them and cheer them on, yeah. where would we be? And, you know, it's people like you and, and, and those that are at Redemption Press who do that. And mm-hmm. that's why I send people to you all for publishing needs. This is why I do it. You're a company that is marked with integrity. You're, you're vested in your company. You love what you're doing. You're not just about the money. You're about the kingdom of God. And, and that matters more than anything. That lasts. That's mm-hmm. legacy. That's what yeah. matters. And so if you think you want to be a part of something, be a part of something like with a company like yours, you know, that's what it meant. It's just some, it's, it's bigger than all of us. I think yeah. all well, of this is bigger than all of us. And we all just stand by and, and go, wow, God, look what you just did. Romans eight twenty eight. He's so good. He's so he faithful. Is. He's he so is. Good. Okay. So let me ask you this. If we have some ladies listening today and they want to connect with you online, where is the best place for them to do that? So the best place to catch me um, is on Facebook and Instagram. We have, although, and I just launched a podcast, but there's nothing there yet. But on Facebook and on Instagram, you can look up Altered Ministries. We have a YouTube channel called Breaking Bread with Altered Ministries that gets a lot of traction we're really excited about. And uh, my personal Facebook page is, is always available. So, But Altered Ministries on Instagram and on Facebook is really where I probably do the most engagement. Well, and I'll tell you, ladies, you need to follow her on both, whichever, wherever you're at, Facebook or Instagram, because I can always guarantee she will have me laughing out loud. (laughs) Um, I'm telling you, Jane is the real deal and she's got a great sense of humor. And so I always love scrolling down and, and just really, I, you, you, I really, it's just, <laughs> I just have, you, you crack me up. So somebody said, I love that. Um, sorry, somebody said, one person said, I, I try to point people to altered ministries for ministry reasons. I try to encourage them, inspire them in the Lord, but I'm a little sassier on my Jane Patton page. And somebody got on there and they said, we want the sassy Jane. I was like, well, it's not working then. It's not, it's not working then, but you get what you get. You know, if I can make you laugh, I, I love that because laughter is so important. Good life medicine. So absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It has been an absolute delight. I knew it was going to be good and it was just amazing. So thank you so much, my dear. No, thank you. Really. Thank you. It was an honor. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. 
So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful. Or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as, you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today, and I'll see you next week.